using stats the way we read them will find value in players that nobody else can see. Good morning and welcome to episode 266 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Good morning, Sam. Hi, Ben. Uh, do we have any banter before we begin? Hmm. Uh... I have a little bit of banter, but I was going to wrap it into my topic because I'm not sure that my topic is going to take more than two minutes to cover. Hmm, me neither. Uh, okay, so <laughs> do, do you want to just start your topic? and Or what is your topic? Uh, it's the Oakland A's. Okay, and mine, mine, I guess, I feel like talking about instant replay, but feels like there's no point in talking about that now when we're probably going to find out more about what the, the proposal is later today. So maybe we can talk about that tomorrow. Uh, so my my topic is how about those Dodgers? Mm. Okay. So um, how about them, though? Mm-hmm. Really? They won, a, crazy. they won a game yesterday. It's unusual. Um, uh, yeah, so, great. so start so with your banter and, and go into your topic. Yeah. All right. So yesterday the, uh, the A's, uh, they lost in a extra innings game to Houston and uh, Chris Young nearly had a, a walk off run mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Robbie Grossman, I believe it was yes. uh, caught the ball, jumped up and caught the ball. And uh, it was, it was, it reminded me of the situation we talked about not long ago where he caught it <laughs> and you, you couldn't, you, you, you thought he caught it. You were mm-hmm. pretty sure he caught it, but he just sort of jogged into the, <laughs> into the infield and I, so the whole time I'm watching him and thinking you know is someone going to ask him and sure enough uh, Chris Chris Young stood there at second base waiting for him and when he passed Chris Young Chris Young said show me that ball uh-huh. and uh, and he showed him that ball uh, and the umpire also asked him to show him that ball uh-huh. and he did he did he took the ball out of his glove to show the umpire that ball and uh, so uh it's. It, I don't know that uh, Grossman was on the road, and so it's almost impossible to imagine he would have been able to get away with it anyway if he if he had. But uh, th- those were two two layers of of oversight mm-hmm. to make sure that he had caught that ball. And um, Chris Young was asked about it after the game in the clubhouse and said, "You know, you just got to check. It would be the greatest prank of all time." <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, now, I don't know. Now I, I'm I'm kind of thinking that. Uh, that this probably actually almost always gets checked on these home runs, especially mm-hmm. home runs that are the significant, because batters are uh, really want their home runs. Yeah, I think batters, uh, in, in in the case of a foul ball, I don't think it would get checked, but in the case of a home run, batters want those. Mm-hmm. So they probably do get checked, but that was never my point. My point was never, uh, could a guy get away with it, but rather, what would the reaction be if he mm-hmm. didn't get away with it, if he tried it and failed? Mm-hmm. Uh, so unfortunately Robbie Grossman did not try it and fail so we still have to wait and see um but I want my point with the Oakland A's has nothing to do with that home run um the A's uh who are very good um I didn't really realize this until this week um but um they have as far as I can tell three maybe four guys on their active roster who they originally signed and developed Uh uh-huh 
um, out of you know t- 25, right? And I'm not counting Cespedes because Cespedes is basically a, a free agent that they went out and signed uh, when he was 26. So you have uh, Dan Straley and you have AJ Griffin and you have Sonny Gray. You have Sonny Gray. I don't. I wasn't sure if Sonny Gray is on the is on the 25 man today. I think he is. Okay, so then you have Sonny Gray, and so in that case you have four because the fourth is Sean Doolittle, who. You barely want to count because they drafted him as a first baseman and developed him as a first baseman. Um, but, you know, you count him. So you've got four guys. And this is really fascinating to me, not not just because, I mean, it's a team that has not that many homegrown players. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if the A's are, are the lowest in baseball by this measure. It wouldn't surprise me if they were somewhat close to historically low. But that's not that interesting to me. What's interesting is that the A's are a small market team that, um, you know, generally the, the, the idea has been for the last, you know, 15 years or so that small market teams win by drafting really well and signing international free agents really well. And that, and that that's the one place where we've always thought, you know, where, where everybody has kind of always agreed that that's where you should be investing your money. That's the best dollar you can spend is on the draft pick or, or an international signing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get them when they're young. Um, you get them when they, you know, you, you, when you draft them, they have no leverage. So you get them for less than they're, they're actually worth on the open market. And then you, you get them, you develop them, you get them when they're young and you have their service time. And so it's interesting just to see a team that, that is a small market team that's succeeding on a small market budget and yet not because of their drafts not not because they've put any extra resources into their draft uh my uh, they um, haven't they haven't yeah, unless it, you could say I, yes, that they... I agree i know i know i know i know <laughs> you and you will say that of course they have benefited from their draft right. they have traded guys they drafted they yes. drafted trevor, trevor cahill for instance they drafted nick swisher traded him for geo gonzalez traded geo gonzalez for the moon so clearly th- there is a ripple effect and the draft is important too the draft is another important tool for them in in acquiring these players in second and third generation ways um and so i'm not yeah you're you're absolutely right it's it's not an irrelevant thing it's a it's a significant thing their draft is a significant thing but um i don't know it just uh i guess it 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 shows um kind of something that probably is obvious and should be obvious but there's more than one way uh, to win, even on a small budget, and that's mm-hmm. kind of all I ha- I have. So, I, so can you s- save this topic? Uh, I don't know, but I I guess uh, I mean a lot of the how many of the people on their roster have did they acquire before they became big leaguers, or because it yeah, seems so like there are quite a few a lot. of those guys, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, Derek Norris lot. and I don't know Jerry Blevins and. Uh, yeah, Jared Parker, Tommy Malone, mm-hmm. Ryan Cook, um, uh, Brett Anderson. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. Arguably, oh. Eric Eric Sogard. Parker made Josh, one start for the Diamondbacks, but but yeah. Jo- yeah. Josh Donaldson was basically one year after he was drafted. Mm-hmm. They got him. Um, Fryman uh, had never played above Double A, um, so uh, a lot of them. Yeah. So does that suggest to you good scouting of other teams' organizations and and getting guys who maybe their own organizations underrated, or does it suggest good development that 
that they traded those guys for those guys and then made them better, which I guess is kind of the it's a, sort of the same thing in that you could you could see that these guys had the potential to be better. Um, I would kind of I would kind of lean toward uh, good timing, like it's just sort of a just, a, a really good grasp of timing, uh-huh. and that might be a cop out, but. Um, I mean, you know, every, everybody knew Anderson was a, a big prospect when they traded for him. Everybody knew Parker was a big prospect when they traded for him. Um, and, you know, I, I think those trades looked like big time uh, talent halls when they when they when they did them. I mean, it, it did, they didn't feel like master master scouting moves or anything like that. Although, you know, Cook certainly Cook has been. Uh, I think way better than anybody expected. Donaldson's been interesting because after they got him, he he was a first round pick one year removed, and you know after they got him, he basically stalled for a while. And so I guess if if I don't, I guess uh, with Donaldson, you might say it's a combination of of coaching and just uh, efficient use of resources. Seeing a third baseman there uh, where he had been a catcher, um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that. There's a little bit of everything in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no, uh, I guess there's no, there's no easily reduced uh, to one sentence definition of of what the new Moneyball philosophy is with these. Really, it's not. It's not. Uh, I mean, we can't simplify it to guys who walk a lot or college players in the draft or something like that it's i mean it's i don't know just kind of trading for for guys without a lot of service time when, and <laughs> yeah i i guess it i mean yeah it's hard well like with i yeah i don't know i mean it sort of feels like the that what they've done is simply win every transaction for mm-hmm. the last few years. Yeah, right. Just get the better player in the trades that you make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which isn't which isn't transferable necessarily. <laughs> no, not really. Like, like you can't you can't necessarily uh, go charge fifty thousand dollars to speak to businesses mm-hmm. and be like, oh, well, just be better than everybody. Just, <laughs> oh, just be way better than your competition. Just yeah. be smarter. Yeah, just do it. Just do it better than them. <laughs> right. What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, uh, and I guess I mean you could you could maybe drill down and find out what it is that makes them smarter in those moves. What they're what they're looking at that their trading partner is not looking at because there must be something unless it's just a just a run of really lucky moves that happen to work out for them. There must be some philosophy here, right? I mean, they must just unless it's just better scouting like but even that you can kind of you know why is the scouting better is it that yeah they're they're prioritizing a particular tool more so than another organization and and it's more important to look at that and and so that's why they're winning these trades there must be something at the at the heart of it yeah yeah i i I don't know i mean it again like with the trades it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really feel like they've they've had guys overperform what everybody sort of was expecting from the players they acquired. Like the nationals trade also was, you know, considered a big haul at the time. And so uh, other than, uh, Ryan cook, it doesn't really seem like any of the guys they've gotten in trades have outperformed. It's just, they got big, they got 
big collections of talent back that everybody had been able to identify, and they'd sort of taken advantage of the 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 uh, I don't know maybe they'd taken advantage of teams' competitive windows to really strike when you know to hit them when they really wanted those players or something. I mean the 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 um, the real bargains that they've found have generally been. Um, you know, almost sort of like free talent guys like Sogard and uh, 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 I'm blanking uh, on other people. But uh, I guess actually, okay, no, now that I think about this, the the Red Sox trade with Bailey, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much you, you could definitely say that um, that the guys they got back overperformed expectations considerably. So now, now that I think about it, there's a collection of all sorts of things. So yeah, they did. They that that probably would have uh yeah okay so i don't know it's hard to say it is hard to say it's it's hard to you know it's really hard to to boil this down into one sentence because there's like we're the premise of this topic there's 21 guys that they acquired in mm-hmm. really drastically different ways there's not they they didn't find one one thing to do and just keep repeating that there's there's not that much that, that links seth smith and Ioannis Cespedes in a team-building philosophy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that is hard to boil down. You're right. And there was that quote. Remember when you uh, you did a post last year? I guess it was on how how bad we had been at predicting things. And then, uh, or I guess or I wrote that thing about what teams had predicted about themselves. And mm-hmm. and there was that quote by Billy Bean, right? Who said that they they couldn't be a competitive team, um, mm-hmm. and I. It may have been just kind of posturing with the with the stadium and everything, um, saying that they couldn't compete in that in, you know, the way that they are in that ballpark and have higher payroll competitors in the division and all that sort of thing. But it seemed it seemed like even he wasn't expecting things to come together quite this well or quite this quickly. Um, so it's possible that. That there is some kind of uh, you know everything, everything working out at, at a, a high percentile outcome, um, and that it not being genius. You're saying they're they're lucky. You're well, saying they're lucky, which we've said on yeah. here before, and, and yeah. it's, we don't know where that ends. It's possible. Mm-hmm. It is possible. If, if if without knowing how much he was posturing for the stadium, I mean, if if he genuinely believed he had a 70 win team, and they won 94 mm-hmm. it is kind of hard to know like you know where who gets credit for that if you if you think you've built 70 but i don't know we don't know what we don't first off we don't know how much he was posturing second off there were moves that that they made throughout the season that you know billy didn't know they were going to make when he made those quotes uh-huh. uh, and you know maybe his happen. his subconscious brain is so good at making trades and evaluating players that he doesn't even realize how smart he's being when he's doing these things. He's got to learn to trust himself. Yes. Uh-huh. Believe in yourself, Billy Bean. <laughs> that's really the, that's really the point. Believe in yourself. <laughs> even if nobody else believes in you, Billy Bean, mm-hmm. you you need to believe in yourself. You'll you'll make it, Billy Bean. <laughs> right. All right. So that was longer than 2 minutes. Okay. Uh, so the Dodgers, uh, every day win a baseball game and they're now 40 and eight in their last 40 and 48 games. Uh, and every day there's a new, new stat about where their streak ranks among streaks all time. And, 
they have the best 46 game streak and the best 47 game streak and now they have the best 48 game streak since 1942 um is that since 1942 like somebody did it in 1942 or we're yes. just not bothering to look uh, yeah someone someone did it in 1942 uh the 1942 cardinals won they went 41 and 7 uh, in 48 games. Um, so uh, I guess my first question is what you think the the true talent level of the Dodgers are of the of today's Dodgers, not the Dodgers over the whole course of the season when they've had certain guys injured and the roster has changed, but the current they still they still have and they still guys. do yes, uh, but but the current Dodgers who are on the field and looking completely invincible right now. Um, what is their, what is their true talent level? Um, so like just, just to clarify uh, the Dodgers who are playing today, not the Dodgers who are playing today, plus Matt Kemp. Uh, yeah, sure. Not, not including Kemp. Cause uh-huh. yeah, cause they haven't really gotten anything from Kemp, uh, this year and certainly during this, this run. So, yeah, not including Kemp, not including I don't know Beckett, not including anyone else on the forty man who's not not playing. Billingsley, um, uh, so you want me to answer that? That's the first thing you want me to answer? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it's hard for me to see them as a hundred win team. Mm-hmm. So I would guess that their true talent is uh, probably like ninety, uh, like a ninety four win team, which. Mm-hmm. Might make them the best team in baseball, in my mind, but not the best team in history. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I was going to say almost exactly the same thing. I was just, I was going to say 95, which is actually what they're on pace to win uh, this year. I mean, considering their full season record. Um, So, so yeah, 95. So you have to think about how long, how long does a team have to play at, at a historic pace before you consider them a historic talent, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like they're there yet. And in part, you know, they've kind of had everything go their way also for for this streak to happen. I think they've won their last 12 one-run games mm. in a row. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, and so I guess then the larger question is uh, to tie it back to the topic that we've talked about a couple times about money not mattering so much anymore or, or not having a strong correlation or any correlation with, with uh, victories, whether, whether there's anything that the Dodgers have done differently compared to other high payroll teams that haven't won. Is there... Is there some sort of lesson that you can take from the Dodgers spending a ton of money and being good uh, as opposed to, you know, the Angels or the Yankees or the Phillies or any of these other high payroll teams that aren't really playing as well as their payroll would suggest? And uh, and the, the Hang Up and Listen, the Slate podcast that, that we've mentioned a few times, talked about this this topic on their most recent episode and... I started listening to it and then was interrupted and didn't get a chance to finish. But it sounded like where they were going with it was that uh, just that that free agent long-term contracts are a bad idea. And so, or at least that was what Mike Pesca said to, to lead off the discussion. And that 
extensions uh, when players are earlier in their career have kind of leveled the playing field because small market teams can do that and and get an advantage, whereas the big market teams then have been committing tons of money to Josh Hamilton or whoever and Albert Pujols and not getting their money's worth um, either because, you know, they've... They've done something not smart or suddenly baseball has changed and players are aging earlier and it's a young players game and they haven't adjusted to that. But the Dodgers have sort of done the same thing. It's not like they've built from within so much. They've just had more successful uh, long-term contracts, right? It's just... Well, the, that... the Dodgers are the Dodgers are essentially a, a like a city that was built four months ago. They... They don't have any, well, I guess a, a year, a little more than a year ago, and so they don't have any like long-term infrastructure p- problems because they don't have any anything that has been around for more than a year. They, if that makes sense, right? They they basically became a big market team in May of 2012, and while they have signed and and this is not my hypothesis, but I'm I, I'm noting this. It might it might end up being my hypothesis, but they've they've spent a ton of money. But like they've spent money on like like Granky is a long term deal. Yeah. But he's not in the long term part of it yet. He's they've right. gotten but as much neither, of, of him as if they'd signed him for one year. Neither are Josh Hamilton or Pujols, really. No, no, no. And so, uh, are, well, I'm not necessarily saying that that's like part of the cohesive mm-hmm. uh, theory. But um, I mean, if you're if you're saying that if if you if the pro and and Pesca's point, I think sort of came down to like it's sort of like the black swan idea where um you the like the the downside of the un of the unforeseen collapse is so big that you you know that it crushes you right mm-hmm. so uh, like he compared it to banking where where you can you know you can make some profit on a savvy investment but when it goes bad it just kills you it just you know like these guys who you spent I give 125 million dollars to they give you nothing and you're stuck with them for for 5 years um and you know they haven't had any of those happen to them now mm-hmm. uh the the angels have had a particularly high portion of those happen to them um but you know it's not like the dodgers have 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 ridden out the 6 years that they have to survive with Granky or anything like that. They do have Gonzalez and Crawford. Yeah, but they Beckett. got those guys. They got those guys a year ago. Yeah. When I mean, they have all the information that they that they well, their timeline since they got them is very is, has been very short. So mm-hmm. there, there's they haven't had to deal with quite the uncertainty of it. Now, uh, I I think that. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so, sort of surprised by how well it's worked out. The other thing about the uh, the contracts thing is that if your payroll is two hundred million dollars and you're going up against teams that are seventy million, you can you can have three bad twenty five million dollar contracts and you still have more to spend than the other teams. Mm-hmm. So so it it is kind of interesting to to try to figure out like why these bad contracts are so crippling given that financially they, they shouldn't be that crippling, um, right? Because the Dodgers could afford to have Granky essentially, you know, they could have signed Granky, had Granky never pitch a game, and they still would have been way richer and had way more money to spend than their opponents. Mm-hmm. So, um, so 
like why is it so devastating when it like Josh Hamilton sucks or Albert Pujols sucks? Mm-hmm. The Angels, even with Pujols and Hamilton, are still spending way more than the A's, and yet can't win. So I don't know. I'm just yeah, rambling. and right, and it, it's probably not fair to equate uh, the Angels and the Dodgers or the Dodgers and anyone really, except the Yankees, because. You know, you can't just lump them into high payroll teams because their payroll is still so much higher than everyone else's except the Yankees. And while the Yankees uh, haven't played particularly well this year, it kind of has worked for them every other year where they just spend a ridiculous amount of money and they they have made the playoffs almost every single year for a very long time now. So maybe there's a... Maybe there's a th- there's still a threshold, even if the even if the correlation across the league is is non-existent right now. Maybe there's still uh, there's still a level at which uh, there is something to it. I mean, if you can spend an unlimited amount of money, then that would have to help you, right? Because anytime anyone wasn't good, you could just you could just release him and, and eat the entire contract and get someone else. And you could always sign the best free agent available, uh, and you'd probably be a pretty good team. Not efficient at all at spending, but you'd probably be good if you could if you could afford to swallow every single mistake and, and yeah. spend as if it didn't matter, which is I guess essentially what they've what they've done. You, well, you would think that I think that's what's interesting is that you would think that if you had unlimited money, you could swallow unlimited mistakes, and yet it doesn't seem to quite be that way. That you do still end up like you know these guys end up playing more than you want them to. For instance, when they when they go bad, you know Josh Hamilton hasn't just been overpaid this year. He's also played every game. You know you're not going to bench Josh Hamilton in the first year of a five year deal, and and it blocks other people. And you there's there's costs involved in acquiring them. Uh, you know, you you lose draft picks, you lose the opportunity to make more trades, and so uh, it doesn't quite. It's not quite that unlimited money means unlimited freedom to make mistakes. It, it still does catch up to you, and so I think that's why um, uh, that's kind of why at the beginning of the year when the Dodgers were thirty two and seventy or whatever they thirty two and forty or whatever they were. Um, it it's it did still kind of fit that they were doing poorly, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that they had run out of money. At no point had the Dodgers run out of money. They didn't reach that point where they couldn't sign a player or trade for a player because they couldn't afford him. Um, so you you couldn't say, well, they're losing because they spent too much. You you it, you thought, well, they're losing because they signed guys who you know had various flaws. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, I mean, you know, we don't know that much about how to protect baseball. So I think at the time it was a reasonable conclusion to make. I mean, we all thought the Dodgers were better than they were playing. We all probably would have said, oh, well, they're going to be better than 500 going forward. Um, but, you know, that's the one of the things about building the way they built is that you tend to get guys who are question marks, even though they're expensive. And Adrian Gonzalez was a question mark. Certainly Hanley Ramirez and Carl Crawford and, um, and Josh Beckett were all question marks. And, uh, you know, I thought that Granke was... Uh, a question mark certainly at, at the level that they were expecting him for, and you know Puig was a question mark. So, um, so you know money is only one factor in this. I, I, if somebody called and wanted to do a like a radio hit with you about the Dodgers, and this was a a non baseball, non sports uh, show, so like you're talking to Teen Beat or something like that, <laughs> and they 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 want you to explain the Dodgers 
what would you say to them? How would you explain their success? I mean, <laughs> it's hard to to say it any other way than, well, maybe they're just the one team that spent a lot on these guys and it's happened to work out fairly well. I mean, not not every free agent signing is going to fail um, and not every not every big contract is going to fail. And they've a lot of the question marks that you've mentioned have been very questionable. Uh, it's not like they've hit on everyone. They've they've basically gotten nothing from Kemp and from Beckett and uh, they've gotten worse than nothing from from Brandon League. Um, mm-hmm. But they oh my gosh, I forgot about Brandon League. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, so they're paying those guys a lot of money, and they've gotten nothing or worse than nothing from them. But they are also paying Carl Crawford a lot of money, and suddenly he's back to being just about as good as he was for the Rays. Uh, and they're paying Adrian Gonzalez a lot of money, and he's not he's not playing like he did in San Diego, but he's been productive. They spent a lot of money on Puig, and that's turned out to be a, a better investment than anyone expected. Um, and they spent a lot of money on Granky, and, and that's worked out fairly well so far. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, they they spent a lot of money, and it's it's worked out fairly well for them. Or they've they spent so much money that they could have a few of the things they did not work out at all, uh, but still still have enough people around to be a, a, a very good team. Um, so ba- Baseball Reference has uh, Carl Crawford with uh, 1.2 war and Zach Granke with 1.1 as a hitter. Huh. Like just as a, just as a hitter. Not as a player, but as a hitter. Wow. Yeah, he's hit well. BP has Carl Crawford at 2.5. Uh, it's a large difference. What what is what is the defense? Uh, he has a seven point two fielding runs above average. Yeah, uh, defensive runs saved has him at negative one, so that's almost the entire difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. All right, so um, can we can we just uh, lazily point out that they're also outperforming their Pythagorean record by quite a bit, uh-huh. and so at some point. We'll probably run out of topics, and we'll say, "Are the Dodgers getting lucky?" We'll 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 probably <laughs> we already kind of we already kind of did say that, right? The twelve one run wins in a row is that's true is part of that. Um, and I I do in, in in some ways it's one of my favorite stories of the season that they didn't fire Don Mattingly, and then have played incredibly well since not firing him. I really like that story. Uh, because yeah. you can, I mean, we can kind of trot that out every, every future time a team is underperforming and the manager gets blamed perhaps unfairly, or he just, just scapegoated, or it's just someone has to take the fall for this. Um, or whenever a play, whenever a, a team is playing well, you see stories that say, uh, manager's name has them playing well. Um, yes, and 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 when the team is not playing well, its manager can't get them to play well. Uh, so Don Manningly has has had both of those things in this season. He has had them playing extremely well after not having them play well, uh, and everyone calling for his head. and And he spoke about it recently, and he said 
Stan Kasten basically intimated to him that he was close to letting him go. Like he just felt that he had to just because the team had under underperformed so well. And he managed to, to hang on by the skin of his teeth. And suddenly uh, the Dodgers are, are great. So I don't know. My natural skepticism about blaming the manager has been reinforced by by this turnaround. Cool. Okay, right. We should go back and we should listen to the we should go back and listen to the episode that we did about whether to whether there's ever an appropriate time for us to call for a manager's firing because uh-huh. it was about I think it, it was about partly about the Mattingly controversy right he was yeah he was on the hot seat as I recall <laughs> the, the, the wobbly, wobbly, wobbly chair, chair. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> uh, okay all right so I guess we're done uh, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>